the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for testimony to bear witness to the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home, and his own people received him not. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. John bore witness to him and cried, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, for he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has made him known. This is the gospel of the Lord. O come to us, abide with us. Our Lord Emmanuel, in the name of the one true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas once again. I hope St. Nicholas was good to everyone in the room. He was certainly good to us and, and our family and continues to be good to us as we celebrate this Christmas season and the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the Gospel according to St. John that we just read from is a little bit different than <coughs> the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Yes, of course, it tells the story of Jesus Christ, but it goes about the telling of the story in a slightly different way. The first three Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are known as what we call synoptic Gospels. That is to say, they give a synopsis, or a summary, of the life of Jesus Christ. And they each give a summary with a little bit different emphasis in mind. Matthew, among other things, presents Jesus as the new Moses. It is, if you will, the most <coughs> Jewish gospel, inviting the Jews to turn the page, so to speak, and to enter into the rest of the story, to read about the rest of the good news of God, and this is why it's the first book in the New Testament. The Gospel according to Mark, among other things, presents Jesus as the suffering servant. And his Gospel emphasizes the immediacy of the things that are happening. Jesus has come to save us, and save us now. And this is how he's doing it, through his own suffering. So pay attention, because it's urgent. Luke, as we know, is the physician. His gospel is at once very technical and yet very granular. He has undertaken an orderly account of the facts, as he tells us, yet he also places a heavy emphasis on the poor, the outcast, the marginalized of society. Naturally, there is overlap among the gospels. As it has been said, it's something like four men standing in the four corners of the same room. They all see the same thing happening, but they get at it from a slightly different perspective or point of view. 
And from the very first words of St. John's Gospel, we see that John has a distinctly different perspective. Again, his is not among the synoptic Gospels. That is, he does not start with the birth of Jesus Christ like Matthew and Luke do, nor like Mark does he start with the baptism of Jesus. Instead, John goes all the way back to the beginning, the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, the connection to Genesis is obvious. John is connecting Jesus to creation. And here we will see John's emphasis, his unique emphasis, his particular emphasis emerge. It is the emphasis of relationship. Specifically, that Jesus was in the beginning with God, that Jesus is God, and especially, and this is the important part, that God still wants to be with his people. After all this time, after thousands of years, and after all that has happened, sin and exile and redemption, and now 400 years of silence in between the testimony and the testaments, God still desires, most of all, to have a personal relationship with the people he has made. And that means everyone. Looking back at the creation narrative in Genesis, we certainly see an orderly account of creation, day one, day two, day three, and so on. Somewhat like Luke and the other gospel writers have ordered Jesus' life. But the stronger emphasis in Genesis is upon the relationship. How God relates to Adam. How God relates to Eve. How Adam and Eve are to relate to one another. How they are to relate to the rest of creation. And ultimately how they're supposed to relate to God. Which is how we're all supposed to interact. The emphasis is clearly on relationship. On fellowship. On being present with one another. If you read forward in John's gospel, you see this emphasis quickly begin to take shape, even in the second chapter of his gospel. The first sign or miracle that Jesus performs is at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. The covenant of marriage being the perfect setting for Jesus to display miraculous signs and wonders that he is God. For the essence of marriage is relationship, fellowship, and being present with one another. Chapter 3 continues these themes. Here Jesus meets Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jewish community, and the story is built upon the relationship that Jesus will have with Nicodemus, telling him how he must be born again to see the kingdom of God, born again to share in eternal fellowship with God, born again to be present in eternity with God. And it's because of this relationship that Nicodemus will again show up at Jesus' death in John's gospel. He will provide the customary embalming spices. He will assist Joseph of Arimathea in preparing Jesus' body for the tomb. The epitome of relationship. That we don't want to be separated from one another. But in relationship we show up every step of the way in another person's life. And we all know the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. How Jesus meets a woman who has broken five marriages... Yet he builds a relationship with her, shares fellowship with her, remains present with her until she knows that she's forgiven by God, restored into fellowship with him, and ready to resume her new life as a new creation in Christ. 
John's gospel does not move us immediately from one story to the next. Neither does it tell us that Jesus must go on from town to town preaching. John issues no command for us to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. You see, it's not that he leaves these things behind or that they're not important to him. It's just that he gets at it in another way. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The good news of God in Christ Jesus is that God has come back to us, that he is present with us once again. And I think we could hang out in that emotional and spiritual and physical space a really, really long time doing nothing else but just adoring the fact that God has shown up again on our behalf. Where the story of Genesis ends in separation, so to speak, ends in banishment from the garden because of sin, ends in broken fellowship, that is, broken relationship with God, the good news of the gospel, and specifically according to John, is that's not the end of the story. God wants to be with us. God wants to be with you. God wants to be with me. And St. John means to tell us exactly how the story continues. Yes, we are to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Yes, we are to do it immediately. But the reason we want to do these things at all is because God still wants a relationship with us. It is because God wants to restore fellowship with us. These are the motivations behind denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following him. It is that Jesus has come to be present with us. And these are the truths that he will demonstrate to us by his life lived out in relationship with the very humanity that he himself has made. And what begins as a tabernacle of presence in the beginning of John's gospel becomes a table of communion at the end of John's gospel. As Jesus shares his last supper with his disciples, there are no words of institution as in the other gospels, just the intimacy of family fellowship displayed around that table. Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Jesus rebuking Peter for his brazen declarations that he will not keep. Chastising Judas for his cruel behavior. Both men in their own way breaking fellowship with God. But when the story is complete and when Jesus is raised from the dead on the third day, Jesus restores Peter again by being present with him. And again around the fellowship of the meal, breaking bread with one another. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you, they say in the context of their friendship. Then feed my sheep, Jesus Christ declares to him. And though John does not beg the question, the question is simply begging to be asked. How could you not want to spend time with this Jesus? How could you not want to serve as he has served us? How could you not want to take up your cross and follow him? How could you resist abiding with him as he abides with us? This, friends, is the true miracle of Christmas. Even the celebration itself implies a continual presence with God. For we don't celebrate Christmas Day and simply move on. We celebrate the 12 days of Christmas, the abiding season that God has come into the world just to be with you and to be with me. For Christmas is an event not to be celebrated like any other event. We don't simply open the gift and move on to the next one. This is the gift. 
the unspeakable joy of knowing Jesus. It is the gift of tabernacle, the gift of presence, and ultimately the gift of communion with the very God who made you, who knows you, who loves you, and who wants to be with you. May we take on the faithfulest response of abiding, even as our God abides with us. For the true presence of Christmas is nothing less than the very presence of God Almighty himself.